Well, we're continuing our speaker series. Last week we had Ed. This week we're going to have Zach. And if you haven't met Zach, he's been doing a lot of the behind the scenes, all of the work with the new app and the new website. And we just uh, we praise God for that. And um, others of us remember praying for six months for this random guy that was in Afghanistan and then just seeing the Lord bring him back. So this is the, the same guy, but it's more fun to watch what the Lord is doing in him now and how he's continuing to grow. So let's all go before the Lord in prayer as Zach comes and leads us in First John chapter 2. Lord, we want to lift him up to you and pray that you would use him for your goodwill and purposes this evening and that we would all receive from your word. We pray that you would be teaching us faithfully through him in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard that. Love you too, Mike. Well, nope, that's not for today. Those are announcements. There we go. All right. First John chapter 2, spiritual development. So an introduction, today's teaching is mostly directed towards the believer. It has to do with three things, uh, spiritual development, in order to see clear enough so that way we can avoid deception. It's going to refer to it as the spirit of Antichrist. And also, so that way we can ultimately glorify God to have confidence and joy in our future. So let's just pray, and we are going to dive right in. Dear Heavenly Father, you are amazing. Be with us tonight as we seek to know you better, as we seek to rightly divide your word of truth, that we may glean new ways to apply your word to our lives, that we may live more fully in line with your will. I ask for the Holy Spirit to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to kick this with verse 1 through 17. We're just going to jump right in and uh, start reading the scriptures right off the bat. So, verse 1. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and, a tr- and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, brethren I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven 
because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you. And I have overcome the wicked one, and you have overcome the wicked one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not the Father, but is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Well, I was challenged to make to get into the scripture right off the bat, and uh, that was a big that was a big chunk there, and so we we definitely started with that. Now there's a lot in there. There's a whole lot in there, and uh, and I just want to say to start off with, uh, there's a lot of things I'm going to have to skip over because uh, there's just there's so much in there, and you can't really unpack all this stuff. So what we're going to do is we're just going to kind of talk about a few things. Uh, the first thing is is just the importance of spiritual development. And then when we get into the second section, uh, we, get, we hit that word antichrist, uh, which is pretty, uh, can be, uh, there's a lot of thoughts that people have behind that, so we'll unpack that a little bit. Um, but um, then from there, we're just going to see uh, how the first section and the second section relate to each other. The spiritual maturity uh, is going to show us that we're going to be able to have the, the vision, to be able to have the clarity, to be able to see this deception that's in our world, and so that ultimately we'll be able to glorify God uh, and have the confidence in his coming. So, number one, um, number one, we want to be able to, t- to identify our current status. So, right off the bat, uh, I know my section here has actually, it, my Bible here titles it, The Test of Knowing Him, and there's basically three ways I see that this, this first section can give us a test of knowing him. One, whether you're saved or whether you're unsaved. Two, your maturity level, because there are different maturity levels within the faith uh, post-salvation. And then three, uh, and that would be for future sanctification. So uh, we know uh, for the future sanctification that there's a process that we're all going through. Uh, in Philippians 1.6 it says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it, until the day of Jesus Christ. So at one point in time, we'll get to a point where we will be perfected. We know that the, um, that the incorrupt cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we will put on, uh, incorrupt, we will put on uh, the perfect body when we get in, into the kingdom. But between now and that point in time, we're going through a process. There's a few terms that you're going to see here. Uh, we, we went through a couple of them as we read through uh, a few of these terms. Little children. So little children means little born ones, and that could have two different meanings for the Christian. One, it could mean uh, little, little born one as in you're a born-again Christian, you're a new Christian, you're a new believer. Doesn't, it's not a negative thing, it's just you're a new believer. But it also, little born ones means those who are born again, and that, that applies to everybody. So this could apply when you see my little children or little children. That could apply to the new believer that could also apply to the believer uh, that has been around the block. Uh, you see the word fathers that are in here. 
And um, fathers pertains to those who are more mature in the faith, those teachers. And I believe from reading some of the commentaries, they, they re- definitely refer to John, the author of this book, as father. So the fathers are um, guiding those who are, you know, under their wings. And then another term that you see in here is young men. And so here in, in uh, verse 14, it says, for young men, it says, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. So to my understanding, uh, this phrase, young men, pertains to um, people who, who are up and coming. Uh, they, are, they have learned how to defeat, overcome the wicked one uh, with Ephesians 6. They know how to use the sword of the spirit. And so they are doing good, and they are on their way to full maturity. So those are a few terms. And uh, as you see these terms as we go through this, you can think of them in different ways, like maybe... You're in a different spiritual season in your life uh, as time goes on is one way of looking at it. Uh, maybe at one point in time you can look back and say, I remember when I was a little children. Or, or uh, you know, you can identify those who are, you would consider to be fathers or young men in the faith. Uh, another way is, is maybe part of you, uh, maybe there's different uh, parts of you that might be more or less mature than others. And then, um, and then also this gives us something to look forward to because... I can say, at least for myself, that I have not arrived, and there's lots of maturing I have still left to do. And so there's a lot of things uh, in here that we have to look forward to because we can all always do better. So that's for starters. There's different spiritual seasons. There's also a litmus test here in verse 3, and I'm just going to reread verse 3. It says, Now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And so that can be, that can be a little bit of a scary um uh, proposition to read because if you take a close look at that and you meditate on that scripture uh, it probably wouldn't take a whole lot to really feel like you don't measure up and uh, but I would say there's a few things you can take away from this Uh, one is if you know him at all and so I would say when you're saved that's a binary thing and we're going to go into that a little bit but it's either on or it's off there's there's no gray area you can't be kind of saved and kind of not saved you're either saved or you're not And so um, that's one way of looking at that. But I think that the primary audience here, because from the beginning of this passage, he talks about little children, and that that theme kind of continues. He's talking about little children in the faith. And so I I think of verse 3, the litmus test, is more along the lines of uh, those who do know him. And so then the question would then become, well, how well do you know him? How well do you keep his commandments? We're going to unpack that a little bit, but what those commandments are, that would be the next question. And so the reason I point that out is because it's important that we understand this isn't to discourage us. This isn't to beat us down or to make us feel like we're less than Christians. This is here in order to encourage us. And so John's message here is to encourage the believer to uh, try to get more mature, try to um, run the race with endurance, try to win the, win the first prize. All right, so... Before we go along, I'm going to um, just make a distinction. Uh, I already did mention there is a difference difference between salvation and discipleship. And that is, once you have been saved, you fall into a new category. So, for salvation, in John 10, it says, And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, 
and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And this is a subject that I love. I could talk about this subject for hours, eternal security. Uh, Basically, salvation is unconditional. Uh, If you're saved, you can't be unsaved. Uh, There's no way out, which not that anybody would want to be out, but there's no way out. Uh, It's kind of like it's a one-way door. Once you go through that door, that's it. Now, there are a lot of uh, passages in 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 the Word that get misconstrued And people would sometimes twist or turn that into, hey, that must mean that my salvation can be lost. No. Um, The second, after salvation, and I'm going to use this word discipleship. There's many different words we can use here, but I'm going to use the word discipleship. Discipleship is a conditional thing. You have a choice. You can do it. You can do more of it. You can do less of it. But hopefully, as we go through this word here, I can show you why there's very good reasons as to why you want to be a good disciple. And so this is going to be the focus of what we're going to go through tonight. I'm going to start by flipping to 1 Corinthians 3.10. And if you're going to flip with me, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians probably about three or four times tonight. So I'm going to keep kind of one thumb there. So 1 Corinthians 3.10-15, it says, For we, it says out here, According to the grace of God, which was given to me, a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's own work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work. Of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. And so here, this is not teaching that you can lose your salvation. What this is teaching here is that as a disciple of the Lord, you can build on that foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones. What you don't want to have on that foundation as a disciple would be wood, straw, and the other one. I can't remember what it is. So you don't want that because that's not going to survive the fire. Now, the fire is not, uh, if you you want to study the beam of judgment, then we can really kind of go into what I'm talking about here. But there's basically only an upside, okay? Past, Past salvation, the Christian living a right life, there's really only an upside to that. And so we're going to continue to talk about that. We want to make sure that we're walking a life worthy of our calling. In Ephesians 4.1. In Ephesians 4.1. It's a really quick one. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, to walk worthy of the calling which you were called. And so, as a Christian, we would naturally want to walk worthy of our calling. We've been saved. I mean, everything is great. But we've been given life beyond salvation. What are we to do with it? Well, we want to live a life worthy to our calling. And so, how do we do this? Well, in John fourteen fifteen, says, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commandments. 
All right. Now, in the book, we're going to go back to 1 John chapter 2. Once we hit verse 7, it talks about new commandments, old commandments, new commandments again, old commandments again. And so you would ask then, then the question, what is all this stuff about old commandments and new, new commandments? We know that Jesus multiple times in the Gospels talks about new, the new commandments. And just two references, I'm not going to read them right now. Is one is John 13, 34. One is John 14, 15. But then there's, if you look at the Old Testament, you would see that these, these new commandments are almost mentioned verbatim from the Old Testament. Again, I'm not going to read them, but Deuteronomy 6, 5 and Leviticus 19, 18. And so the, these commandments, they're repeated several times by Jesus. One of the ones in John fifteen twelve, Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's, that's it. I mean, so all the way back to this litmus test here in verse 3, this is how we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. This is, what it's ta- this is what it's talking about, that you would love one another as I have loved you. Last week, Ed taught us in a simple two-step process. Step one, love the Lord your God and fellowship with him. Step two, love others and fellowship with them. Uh, so it's pretty simple. Life is easy for the saved. Uh, love God and love others. And it's the type of love that God um, professes is agape love. And agape love is an unconditional love. It's a love that you don't love because somebody loves you back. You just love because it's just the right thing to do. And so that's how we love God. That's how we love others. Next application point is uh, we want to be able to maximize our ability as disciples to glorify him. We want to maximize our ability as disciples to glorify him. In Matthew six nineteen, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Okay, what's this about treasures here? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 24 to 26, you'll see similar language here. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the, for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air. I'm going to save the last verse for a a minute from now. So these crowns that he's talking about, uh, these these crowns, they will ultimately glorify God. In Revelation 4, 10, and 11, it says, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worships him who lives forever and ever and casts their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And so these crowns, these are things that we can earn in our earthly ministry beyond salvation before we are dead or before we're raptured. And in this time period, we're earning these crowns. Now, they're not for us to glorify ourselves. And and you might think that maybe that is the case. But again, I would encourage you to dig into this and study it a little bit further. It's ultimately to glorify God. We're going to cast these crowns at his feet. So whatever you do on this earth, uh, beyond salvation, you ultimately get to glorify God even further with that. And so it'll, 
Help you to maximize your ability as disciples to continue to glorify him. So the next point, we want to avoid losing out in the treasures in heaven, the rewards and the crowns. 1 John 2, 9, and 11, 9 to 11, it says, uh, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. And so here it's talking about kind of like the infighting. Uh, You know, us as believers, we need to understand that that it's, it's the same Holy Spirit that we all have been indwelled with. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same being that gives us all uh, tasks. It's the same Holy Spirit that, that give, gives us uh, understanding of this word. And so the same Holy Spirit is not going to have us to bicker and, and fight and uh, have all this infighting. And uh, one doesn't have to look too far to be able to see where that happens. And so this goes back to Ed's point from last week is that we want to love, it, love one another the way that Christ first loved us. And so I'm just making a loose correlation here. You know, this sinful behavior here of hating your brother, walking in the darkness, uh, stumbling around, uh, that's, would be correlated, that could be correlated with a potential loss in rewards. And so let's just uh, let the unity of the Spirit unify us. Revelation 3.11, it says, Speaking of the faithful church in Philadelphia, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no, one, that no one may take your crown. So these crowns, this is conditional. You know, you can, you can do, uh, you can potentially lose your reward, all right? You're not going to ever lose your salvation, but you can potentially lose your reward. So hold on to that. Hold fast to that. Run the race of endurance for first prize. All right, we're going to go into the next section. We're going to read from 18 to 27. Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now many Antichrists have came, by which we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, that none of them were of us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. I have written to you because you do not I have written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he who denies that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son and does not have does not have the Father either, he who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who tried to deceive you. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true, and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. All right. So here, the first thing I want to say is, is I don't want us to miss the forest from the trees. 
there's a there's two ways that the word antichrist is used here. Uh, one is is antichrist big A, proper noun, and then the other one would be uh, antichrists with a little a and in plural. And so we're going to just kind of break that down. What that means, we're going to look at both of them. First, we're going to start with the big A antichrist, and we're just going to look real quick in Second Thessalonians, chapter two. We're just going to see what it says here. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses seven and eight. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. So it's of my opinion that, uh, that the Holy Spirit is the restrainer, that the restrainer is taken out of the way, and then after the restrainer is taken out of the way by the rapture, okay, at that point, after that, is the, uh, the big A, Antichrist, will be revealed at a time after that. Um, that person will then set themselves up as God in the temple during the Great Tribulation. And so that's the big A, Antichrist. That person is not going to be for us Christians to have to deal with. And so, I don't want us to focus too much on that. We don't want to prep for the tribulation here, right? We're here to, to work in the time that we live in, and the time that we live in is right now. So let's, let's read a little bit about the, the little a Antichrist. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures. We're just going to let right where we're at kind of define that a little bit for us. So, so we're going to read verses 18 and 19. Little children, it is the last hour, as you have heard, that the Antichrist, big A, is coming. Even now many Antichrists, little a, have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. They were not saved. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. And then in 22 and 23, it Furthermore, it says, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And so this should be our focus area here. And the reason is is because this spirit of Antichrist was present when John was writing this, and he considers us, uh, that was, he was living in the last hour, and we know that the last hour ends when the church is removed. And so if that was the last hour, well, we might be more likely in the last minute. We're at the end of the last hour at this point in time. Uh, we can say that the spirit of the Antichrist is still alive and well. And so what is the spirit of Antichrist? Well, we just, we just read it. This, the spirit of Antichrist is, is a liar. He who denies that Jesus is the Christ. And so, you know, a lot of times we think of this word, Antichrist, Antichrist just means instead of Christ or against Christ. It doesn't have, you know, we think of the devil with the horns and, you know, this cruel um, person and all that stuff. But really, the Antichrist is just the spirit of non, not Christ. And so we know uh, from the Bible, we know that it teaches us that you can only be for or against him, that there is no middle ground. 
And so the Antichrist spirit is that spirit that is against the Lord. I, had a, I brought an interesting book uh, to work a few months ago, well, about a year ago, I guess. And it was like a, a layout from uh, Adam and Eve all the way through Jesus. And it had all of the different, uh, basically the genealogy. And it was really cool. And uh, a well-respectable uh, co-worker of mine walked in and looked at it. And he just started chuckling. And I was like, what? what's, what's so funny? And he's like, he's like, people actually still believe in this stuff? I'm like, yes, yes, they do. Like, I literally believe this. And so, um, you know, I would just say that the, the fundamental gospel message, you know, Jesus is literal. He's real. Uh, there's no watering that down. It's a bold message. And I would say this much. Uh, it is a bold message, but let it be a bold message. Don't try to water it down for somebody. It doesn't need to be made palatable for somebody to be able to digest it. <laughs> it is what it is. John 3.16, God so loved the world that, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's what it really is. I mean, it, it Supernatural. God is supernatural. Why wouldn't he give us a supernatural way to be saved? He does. So so now that we know a little bit about the little Antichrist, uh, next thing we want to talk about is, is just keeping the main thing the main thing. We want the gospel to stay front and center because that's how you're going to counter the spirit of Antichrist. That's how you counter the lie, the good news. And so I did something kind of interesting here. I took this verse, 22... And what I did is, it, to me, it defines the Antichrist. So I figured, well, what if I, what if I completely flip it? What if I take this verse and I flip it to where it's the exact opposite wording? And so this is what it says. And to me, this is kind of like the good news here. It says this. And read along with me in, in verse 22 as I flip this around the other way. Who is a truth teller but he who affirms that Jesus is the Christ? He is Christian who affirms the Father and the Son. Whoever affirms the Son has the Father also. He who denies the Son denies the Father also. And so I just find that very interesting that the Antichrist is the one who denies the Father, denies the Son, tells the lies. What is the lie? The lie is just not the gospel is what the lie is. And so very simply speaking, uh, it's just a way of of dividing uh, those who are with Jesus, those who believe in the gospel, and those who are, who are opposite. And so my last point here is, is that we want to do these things. That way we can have confidence and to not be ashamed at his coming. So it says here, just to close off the chapter, in 28 and 29, And now, little children, abide in him, that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous... You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. And so to me, this is our call to action as believers here. Uh, this is an encouraging message to me. Uh, we learned about spiritual maturity, and then that will keep us from being blind to be able to see this deception that's in our world, that's even in, in some of the churches. And so, um, but ultimately, we want to be able to have that confidence, and we want to be able to not be ashamed before him when he comes back for us. So that's all I have for today. Uh, I pray that this study blessed you. Uh, if you are a believer, I pray that you were nudged a little bit closer to Christ. He loves you, and there is no end to the depth that you can know our Lord. Be discipled, step out of your comfort zone, and allow yourself to grow, mature, and be developed by the Lord for his purposes. 
and to sweeten the deal, you will receive eternal rewards to further glorify our God and his kingdom. If you're an unbeliever, whether here or perhaps online, he loves you too. The word says he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. If you're tired of the lies and you're ready to have the peace that surpasses all understanding for the first time in your life, well, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you will be saved. The bold claims of Christ are bold. You cannot serve two masters. Leave the world because it is passing away and instead cling to the Father. Don't be deceived by the spirit of Antichrist, the lukewarm gospel, the lies, and instead abide in him. Be ready for his coming because we are at the end of the last hour. Let's go before our Lord in prayer. Father God, you are absolute truth. We are absolutely filthy apart from you. Thank you for making a way to restore us despite our fallen sinful nature. You are worthy of all of our praise, all the glory, all the honor, and all of the universe. Please help us to occupy until you send your son Jesus to return for us. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.